Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. I am Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about three concerns or three things you should definitely know about your investment portfolio. Too often, yeah, it should, I, be fu- should be a fun uh, conversation. Yeah, too often I think we run into, I think people have a basic understanding of what they're invested in, but they don't know, they can't get into, I don't even call it the weeds. I think they can't really discuss how they came about the, the design of their portfolio, right? Which we'll, we'll dive yeah. into more and specifically talk about the concerns into uh, different designs. But before we get there, Alex... Uh, I'm excited to talk about what we are drinking today, mainly because I don't know those of you who are not in Seattle, uh, we've got an NHL team uh, named the Seattle Kraken and uh, the beer that we're drinking today is called the Sky Kraken, um, which that in and of itself made me want to purchase it. But Alex, once you speak into it, what, what are your thoughts on it? What are the, what are the, what are the numbers there? Sure. So this is, it's from uh, Fremont Brewery. Uh, so for those folks in Seattle, you're probably familiar with Fremont. It's a great local brewery, uh, really good craft beer. Um, they're known primarily for their IPAs. This is a, a hazy pale ale, um, but uh, I, they did a good job of marketing this beer. Um, like on the, on the can, it says, because beer matters and has uh, a reference to, to uh, like NASA saying, uh, Houston, we have a Kraken. Uh, so it's a, a 5.5%, uh, ABV, um, everywhere that we looked, it just says under IBUs, just the right amount, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Um, I would guess it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of like 75 to 80 IBUs. Um, but it's, it's just a really good beer. Uh, it's a little bit more of a a summer beer, um, in that it's got some citrus in the, uh, in the flavor profile, but it did something interesting. They've, they've got a couple different types of oats along with, uh, the wheat that's in the beer. Um, and so it, it's kind of almost like a mix between like a Hefeweizen and an IPA. Uh, and it's got uh, three different types of hops, uh, citra, citra, mosaic, and strata. It's, just, it's a really good beer. And I'm always a fan of a, of, a, of a good bite at the end of the beer, kind of like how I like my, my whiskey and bourbon. So that hits the spot as well. A little bite in the back of the throat is always lovely. Don't read into that, Alex. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay away from that one, right? <laughs> so let's jump into the, the topic here. So, you know, Alex and I, we, we look at portfolios all the time, right? That's part of our job when we're, we're talking about, you know, investments and, and helping our clients and helping other people choose how they want to invest. And a common, uh, a common thing that we go through with our clients is looking at, okay, it's not always about the, the risk associated with, with the portfolio. It's not always about the rate of return, at least short term, um, it, it's more of what makes up your pie of the portfolio that actually drives a lot of these. And so the first question that I think you all should really go back and look at your portfolio and look at is what types of asset classes are you invested in? Specifically, do you have any percentages 
in those asset classes that are high. And what we mean by asset class, let's let's back up here because I just used a, a term that, I mean, frankly, uh, I think only investment professionals know, and even sometimes we they don't even know. <laughs> but when we talk about asset classes, right, it's it's the type of asset that it is, right? So if it's a large U.S. company, say like an Apple, right, that that's a large U.S. cap asset. Right, that's that's the asset class that that falls into. Uh, cap being short for capitalization. So, how big is this the company? Um, and then we typically divide it into to like three categories. One is a blend or a mix of the other two. Uh, one is value oriented, meaning that it's got a low uh, low cost for a dollar's worth of earnings. Uh, and the other one is growth oriented, which is uh, typically more cost per dollar of earnings. Um, so that that's how the investment world typically divides these things up into kind of a couple different categories. Uh, domestic, so is the 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 stock headquartered here in the U.S. or international? Um, they, we then break it down into large, medium, and small companies, and whether they are growth oriented or value oriented. Right, so there's there's several types of asset classes out there. A lot of your type of a lot of the um, logins that you have, you should be able to, to download an investment portfolio uh, asset class guide, meaning it'll show you the pie and what, and what percentage is in what type of asset cl- class. If you don't, feel free to reach out to us and we can run that type of uh, uh, illustration for you. Um, however, the point that of us bringing this up is oftentimes, Alex, and I'll speak for myself and you can chime in if you see something different, I don't think you're going to say something different, but who the heck knows? When I'm looking at someone's portfolio, especially right now, I see anywhere between 40, sometimes as high as 60% of someone's portfolio in a U.S. large company. And Uh, and it's not just one company. It's that index. It's the S&P 500, right? I've seen as much as like 80 or even 90% in large U.S. lately. And to some degree, I understand it, right? That that asset class has done well over the last decade, right? The question that we'll have you look at, if, you, if you're looking at this long-term, when or if that asset class has a down year, and it's probably when, not an if, because right. no, there is no, we haven't found the asset class that's, that is positive every single year since its existence. <laughs> <laughs> right. So when you, when you have a down year, if you have 60% or even 40% of your portfolio in that asset class, how does that affect your portfolio? Yeah. And like the other thing that we oftentimes see is people thinking that they're well diversified because they've gone out and purchased the S&P 500 index. Um, and like that's where a lot of these like high concentrations come from. The other thing that we need to take a look at, and and you and I have spoken into this a little bit, so I'm not going to spend much time talking about it today, but once we take a look at how high the concentration is inside of US large cap, now how much of that is of that portfolio is in our top five holdings, in our top 10 holdings. And right now, if we're using index funds, we're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 25% uh, invested in the top five holdings and 
like upwards of 30, maybe even usually somewhere around 30% uh, invested in the top 10 holdings. And so like, okay, if we've got 90% of our portfolio invested in the S&P 500 and we're just using index funds, we wind up having this thought that we're well diversified when we really have a third, almost a third of our portfolio in five or six holdings. And so when we point that out to folks, they're usually quite shocked as to how undiversified they are and, and how little balance they have in their portfolio. So that's number one, understanding, do you have any high percentages in one particular asset class? And are you okay with that? And the answer might be that's intentional and that that's fine if it's intentional. It's just understanding what that means from a risk standpoint. Yep. Let's go to the concern number two. And this is about offsetting risk, right? And the way we offset risk in an in investment portfolio oftentimes is in fixed income or, or bonds, right? And I think a lot of people, the word bond inherently says, oh, it's a safe asset. Well, it depends on what you're invested in, right? If it's a, if it's a high yield corporate bond, you know, that, that isn't necessarily the the safest place it might be a little bit more safe than say like penny stocks or something like that typically but the point is is the reason it says high yield high yield bonds like that's actually what you'll see is the asset class name is that means it's it's trying to get a higher return well if you're trying to get a higher return what does that mean in terms of risk it's going to be higher risk the question becomes how much higher risk we can, we, we've got ways of measuring some of these things. And so when we take on higher yield, when we're searching for yield inside of a bond portfolio, especially right now, there's really kind of two ways that we can try and stretch for yield. And one of them is getting less quality or more risky bonds. The other is by buying bonds that are going to uh, be held for a much longer time period. And both of those have a tremendous inherent risk that most people don't necessarily understand. Yeah, and the whole purpose is, is, spe- is specifically in bonds right now. The way that bond prices typically work are, well, not typically, the way they work are they're associated with interest rates. And it's inverse relationship, meaning as interest rates go down, bond prices go up. And that means when interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Yep. So Alex just brought up like having longer term bonds, right? A bond is a debt. So imagine having a 30 year, like a mortgage, right? There, there are mortgage bonds out there, right? So imagine having locking in a 3% interest rate debt that you're getting compensated on and it's locked in for 30 years. And then next year, the same bond type comes out, but now they're paying at 5%. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Thank you, Alex. Hypothetically. So if you tried to sell that bond, is someone going to buy that bond or is someone going to want the 5% bond? They might buy it, but they're going to buy it at a dramatic discount in order to be able to get the same effective yield on it. And so what happens is the the value of that bond just dropped dramatically because now you're accepting 2% less in the way of a uh, a coupon or a dividend payment um, in in terms of cash flow over a long time period. And in our example, I think you used uh, what, 30 years, Ryan? 30 years. 
And so like accepting 2% less return for 30 years, like that's a significant give up for a long period of time. The, the length of that bond, and there's two ways that we measure that. One is maturity and the other is duration. Uh, duration is just a derivative of maturity. For those folks that remember math from, uh, from their high school or college days. Most of us try to forget it. <laughs> um, but the basic concept is, is that the, the longer the maturity, the longer the duration or the amount of time until we receive our principal back, the more risk that we have if interest rates change. Now, that could be good or bad. It, it, I think of this as a teeter-totter where the, the fulcrum or that balance point is maturity. The longer the maturity, we only need a short move in interest rates to have a big effect on prices. If we have short-term bonds, well, then we need a big change in interest rates to affect the overall rate of return of the portfolio. So the way in which you and I manage things, Ryan, we're looking to our bonds to be kind of the safety system, the braking, the brakes on our car, uh, if we're using the car as the analogy. We're, we're looking for it to provide safety. We don't look towards the fixed income portion of the portfolio to drive the rate of return. And, and so uh, as a result, like most of the time, we're not looking towards high yield. We're not looking towards long maturities. We're looking towards safe and, and short in terms of our, our portfolio construction, especially right now when we're in ultra low environment, uh, interest rate environments. So the takeaway here for concern number two is understanding what type of bonds you have, right? Are they government bonds or are they higher year, I guess, less, less or either less risk or more riskier bonds? And then are they long-term or short-term? And is that what you're wanting in the portfolio, right? It's all about understanding what you have because if you don't understand what you have and how it operates and the market is down or up, you, you, how do you know what levers to be pulling to, to make sure you're being as efficient as possible or staying the course depending on your direction? Or even just understanding where the returns are that you're, you're receiving. Like what, what would cause a downturn in the portfolio and why? Exactly. Which takes us to number three. And the big thing is, is understanding the investments that you're investing in. Are they taking an active approach towards investing? Are they taking a passive approach in investing or maybe somewhere in between? And it's important to understand that. So what, what do we mean by active versus passive, Alex? Sure. So passive, what, and that's typically a little bit easier to explain. Really, what we're trying to do is we're just buying and holding, whether it's an index or a set allocation, we're, we're buying and holding. Like passive management is not actively choosing and changing what the investments inside of the portfolio are. By and large, we don't want to have a lot of turnover in the portfolio. The more turnover there is, the more cost there is, the more risk we're exposing ourselves to. And the bigger the hurdle to overcome to just get back to zero in terms of our rate of return, because there's going to be a little bit of transaction cost. Uh, it, it, now it might be infinitesimally small, but there's going to be still be a transaction cost. Uh, as an investor, you may never see it. 
but there's going to be some of those transaction costs. And so the, the lower that we can have that turnover ratio, the, the better off we're going to be. When we're talking about active management, there's different levels of active management, right? So what this is, is this is intentionally going in and selecting which stocks we're purchasing and why. So we're, we're not necessarily inherently for active management because we don't want those big turnover ratios. Um, and at the same time, we're not inherently for passive management because most of the time that has an inherent bias of bigger being better because indexes are typically weighted around capitalization. So even if you've got appropriate levels of mid cap and small cap, those are still based around the size of the company and organized around that concept. And as a result, there's an inherent bias there that bigger is better. So you've got these three concerns, right? You've got understanding, are you active or passive or, or maybe somewhere in between? What type of risk are you actually holding in your bonds? And then number three, what does your pie look like, right? What percent, do you have a high percentage in one particular asset class? Take a look at those. And, and it shouldn't be, hopefully not that difficult to find out these things because you should be able to run an analysis to pull this out. Now, to be fair, sometimes you don't have that option. So have, have a professional run it for you so you can actually look at that. And then go one step further. And this is, this is our, the topic for our next episode. Once you understand how and why your portfolio is what it is, is that what you want it to be? Yeah, were these intentional decisions or was this just the random accumulation of decisions made over time? Because if you understand it and that's what you want, not all the time, but typically emotionally, you're going to be able to stay the course, if you will. Right. But if you don't understand how it's working, it's very hard to, to stay the course when there's down downturns. Well, and at that point, the, the market becomes a black box to you and it's just this happened and here was the result. And we, there's no understanding of the connection between what happened and the result. You know, our goal is to help folks understand the hows and the whys behind a lot of these, these, uh, you know, decisions and examples and why we would make changes and when and how. Which leads us to the question of the day for today's episode, Alex. Our question today is what are you invested in? And more importantly, what risks were you unaware of that existed in your portfolio before Ryan and I shared what we did today? So those of you listening in your car, tell Siri or tell Alexa uh, to set a reminder for you to look at your portfolio or do whatever you got to do. Because I don't, know, I don't know about you, Alex. Well, I do know you rather well, but... We, <laughs> we hear something, we're like, oh, we should really do that. And then we go right back to work and we don't do that. So it's we, the whole, I'll get to round to it eventually. Exactly. So take some action steps. As always, we hope this episode was valuable for you and Mr. Collins. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary.
Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their friends are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California. 91711. Telephone 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Brian Berglow, AR Insurance License, number 1531912. CA Insurance License, number 0K24924. Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License, number 7264699. CA Insurance License, number 0H24806. Number 2021-128934, expiration October 2023.